Hello, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the first episode in our podcast series Young, Muslim and Talented with your hosts Muhammad and Abdurrahman. Uh, on our show today, we'll be speaking to Abdurrahman, who is my uh, co-host in this series. And in this series, we'll be speaking to young, talented Muslims from all around the world um, to hear about their story, to find out more about their upbringing and some of the influences on their lives, both from an Islamic perspective, but also um, in, in the countries that they were brought up in. Anything you want to say um, on that, Abdurrahman? Yeah, no, I, I, I just think it would be interesting to kind of like explore the different ways different people approach things. Because um, obviously, like, it's quite a big culture change to, I guess, you know, where, whichever country we originally came from. And then it's something that we've had to learn and adapt with. So it'd be interesting to see with our different guests as we go on kind of different challenges they face and kind of how they've uh, approached them. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. Yeah, I hope that um, through this series we'll be able to inspire younger Muslims to pursue uh, different career pathways or um, help them to realize that with a bit of application and hard work, really the sky's the limit in terms of what you can achieve. And hopefully by sharing some of these amazing stories of uh, Muslim doctors and accountants and engineers, uh, we'll be able to inspire the next generation of, uh, of young Muslims. So the format is going to be very simple. It's a um, 30-minute conversation with our guest to find out uh, you know, more about who they are, their upbringing, what school they went to, um, how did they do in university, what did they study in university, and how did that whole sort of um, experience in life lead them to what they're currently doing in their careers right now, whether that's a job or owning a business, or really just pursuing a, a passion out in in the world. So, Abdurrahman, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about your story and, and who you are and and where you, where you're from, uh, maybe what what school you went to, and some of um, you know the things that really have stuck with you from from your childhood? Yeah, sure. So, I'm 29, live in South London. Uh, currently working as a uh, child, well, I am a chartered accountant working in regulatory consulting. Uh, so I look at kind of um, regulation, com- regulatory compliance for investment banks. Um, so essentially, like the government basically uh, has a financial arm that will put out um, financial regulation, and we go in and kind of you know look at their processes and controls to make sure that they're complying with that uh so that's what i I do now i've been doing it for about three years and before that i was working like you know bog standard audit in insurance uh, and investment management uh so i was born and raised in london um kind of grew up in my life haven't obviously i mean i i've left but for like school university etc i've i've been here i was born in tooting uh you know 29 years ago and i live here now uh so it's a nice kind of circle um I guess in terms of in terms of uh, upbringing, um, it's quite quite interesting. Very so, kind of I went to private school from um, like yeah, age of whatever four or five to um, fifteen or sixteen. Whenever you do your GCSEs, and then I went to like college. So uh, the first private schools I went to were just kind of like kind of like normal ones, and then when I was thirteen, I think I moved to an Islamic school um, just because I felt like kind of you know I felt that I wanted that kind of influence in my life. Um, so, yeah, that's a very brief um, 
introduction to the early part. And then I guess for university, uh, I studied in London as well. I studied uh, accounting and finance. Uh, alhamdulillah, I was able to uh, get a first in my degree. Um, I lived at home while I was at university, so I was, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really kind of experience that, uh, you know, what most people would living out of university. And to be honest, because I, because I, I kind of set that goal for myself at the beginning that you know I don't really want to leave here without a first. Uh, especially, well, not so much in the first year, but especially in the second and third years, I was very focused on my work as opposed to kind of, you know, having a uh, you know, university experience. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it sounds like having gone to sort of a, a Muslim school, faith yeah. must have been quite an important part of your life and uh, your upbringing. But how, how do you think it's influenced some of the bigger choices that you've made in your life? Has it had in, any influence in what career you um, chose? In terms of kind of what role faith has played in career choice and stuff, I think quite a big one. So since I was, um, you know, 17 or 18, I was thinking about what kind of career I want to go into. And the biggest driver for me was, okay, what can I do that will make an impact? Because, I mean, while I also wanted to earn a lot of money, I didn't think kind of if I was making a career choice at a very basic level, I think, you know, the thing I wanted to do was to make a change in, in the world. Kind of, you know, that, that saying, leave the world better than you found it. Uh, and obviously, like, kind of um, you know, something like that, you like normally go to like, a, I don't know, a teacher or a doctor or, you know, but because I, I, I wanted to make money, I kind of started looking into like finance. So my original plan was to go into investment banking. And this was when I kind of didn't have um, like the full knowledge of, you know, what all the different things were. I just knew that, okay, investment bankers make a lot of money. So I wanted to go into investment banking and then buy some properties. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. buy, I don't know, so like my goal was I think something like 20 properties by the time I was 30 or something, all on like buy to let with the hundreds of thousands that I would was hoping to be and make in investment banking. Uh, and then kind of as I got a little bit older, maybe like 18, 19, 20, and started looking at it while I was at university, I was like, well, actually – and obviously, this is a gray area, right? You know, different people have different answers, but kind of, you know, some people are well, dealing with interests, haram, et cetera. From, from a career perspective, if you're looking at investment banking and like derivatives and all that other stuff. Um, so I kind of stayed away from that. And that was partially like a religious decision, but also I thought, you know, actually that work-life balance doesn't sit well with me. Um, and then the other thing was also like kind of in terms of buying properties, just kind of in terms of securing a future and, you know, holding assets and stuff. I've always wanted to get in, go into property, but then as I kind of became a bit more religiously aware, I was like, well, actually, do you know what? You can't really get a mortgage on um, buy to let with interest. Uh, I don't really need to do it. I mean, obviously some people do, right? But my, my perspective is that from a religious perspective, it's not like a necessity for me. So if I can stay away from it, then I will. So in, in, in terms of those, I kind of... Um, I kind of mm-hmm. faith has influenced those kind of decisions um, in terms of like career. Can I just pick up on one thing that yeah. you said? You so, so it was quite interesting that you said at, at the age of eighteen or, or sort of nineteen, it was quite important. But it seemed like it was quite important for you to choose a career that made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, was there a specific reason why that was a sort of a driving kind of determination or why you thought that would be the right sort of motivation for choosing a career? Mm, I think like, so, you know, um, came from like a, you know, fairly middle class family, but I don't know, maybe it was going to school with other kids who went to private school who's, you know, 
I had like swimming pools and stuff or like, you know, just seeing other wealthy people. I don't know, it's an internal driver within me when I, I kind of see some, I, I think it's a natural human thing, right? You see something, someone, you see something you want and then you're like, okay, well, how do I get that? Um, so I, I, I think kind of growing up, I saw these things that, that I wanted and maybe couldn't have at the time or, you know, so I was like, okay, well, so I'm just going to make loads of money and then go and do that then. Uh, I, I don't think it was anything like, um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I think probably most people think that way maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That yeah, one, that yeah, one, do you think that has now changed now, now that you kind of, you know, have been, uh, how long have you been mm, in your career? And, and For six, six years now. Um, mm-hmm. well, yes, I mean, I, I mean, one thing for anyone listening is, yeah, you probably won't, you know, be realistic about how much you're going to make from your career. When I was 17, 18, I thought I'd be like, you know, every, well, like probably a lot of people, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. <laughs> and nowhere close. But um, yeah, so I, I think making making good money is still important to me. Um, it's definitely not on the top of my list, but it's probably second, to be honest. Um, so kind of with the work I've ended up doing, so kind of in terms of, making that impact. I think from maybe 19 or 20, uh, I started doing, while I was at university, I started doing like volunteering stuff and it started off with just doing kind of like phone calls at other charities and volunteering here and there. And then when I was, um, kind of when I graduated and I um, started my first job as a chartered accountant, um, my local mosque asked me to get onto the committee. Like, oh, you're a chartered accountant, why don't you come be our treasurer? And um, so I was like, yeah, sounds sounds awesome. Um, and I went on and then I, and then from there something just clicked and I was like, well, actually there's so many things here that could change and, you know, could be better. Um, and I got into from there, like I, I started doing, you know, some of the communication stuff, like the social media, um, you know, I looked at the website a couple of times as well. And, and mainly the thing that seemed lacking was um, the community element in our specific area. There just wasn't, you know a decent community there and also especially youth stuff there was like literally not much at all for youth so that kind of became my calling and now i would say that is my number one um kind of driver really in life um but obviously so so i think i I think there's two sides to it right there's some people who can choose a career where they get to do what their passion is you know they get paid for it um Mm -hmm. but i like to, to be honest the I don't think the pay for youth work is that good, right? And I, and I think you also have to be realistic in terms of, you know, what do I want to, you know, you know, I'd like to start a family, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. I have these requirements from my own family, like, you know, supporting your parents, whatever, uh, and then kind of balance it. So for, for me, it's, a, it's more of a balancing act that uh, this is something that I will always want to do in my life, but also at the same time I have to have a job and that job has to, you know, have a certain level of reward that, is, is deemed acceptable for the amount of work that I need to do. Yeah, you know, you always hear people saying, oh, uh, you know, your job has to be your passion, it has to be your calling. But I, I think, you know, a lot of us, the reality of the situation is, you know, both of them aren't mutually exclusive as such, right? You know, they, they sometimes you use one to drive the other. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean, the, I always come back to the fact that actually if you apply yourself to something for a long period of time with some grit and determination, yeah. you're likely to get good at that thing. And once you get good at it, I mean, who's to say that that 
couldn't develop into a passion or a calling. But yeah. it seems like if maybe we can explore that a little bit further. So how do you think your sort of job connects with your passion when it comes to working with your community, particularly around um, creating some activities for, for young people to get more involved in the community? How do you see it? a linkage between the two and are there any interrelated skills that you use across uh, both of those um, areas? A hundred, a hundred percent. So, I mean, I think, I think for me, there's two aspects, right? The first aspect is, and I guess this depends on, on where you work. Um, so kind of being at the big four, obviously they have a lot of initiatives. A lot of firms have like volunteer days and then you have like Muslim networks, etc. cetera. Uh, so that's one where you can get involved in that community there. So kind of what I started doing, like both when I was at PwC and Deloitte, was the kind of first thing you do in week one is, okay, so where's the Muslim network? And then for PwC, I kind of, um, I, I used to do like the charity stuff there. So I used to manage the charity weekly collections and choose the courses, et cetera. And that was one way. And then also you can kind of get involved in communities there. So we go to schools and stuff and um, kind of like give uh, A-level students talks on careers. careers. Um, so that's one way it kind of, can come into work and, and, and it doesn't ha- necessarily have to be a, like a, a, you know, a Muslim thing. Like, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's so many other initiatives out there and normally kind of these big firms, well, I mean, I'm speaking from an accounting perspective, very happy to support these causes, um, kind of, you know, make community, community change because most companies will have some kind of like impact directive as well that, you know, they'd be more than happy for you to help with. Uh, and then in terms of in terms of the the other way around then then kind of professional skills that I've applied to the other community work i think I think it's been a it's been an interesting journey because you kind of come there and you think, oh, I know so much stuff and like you know i want to I want to change everything uh, and you know I did this this way at work and let me try and do it this way in like a charity organization so I think one it definitely gives you like a, a an amazing tool set to kind of like deal with things like you know the the skills I'd say would be like you know project management you know um, managing coaching other people and just I think like the strategy and the mindset you get from a professional career really helps you look at things in a different way whatever the situation like you know whether you're you know helping uh, develop a website maybe or um, you know planning like a community thing so kind of one of the things I did was lay out like a kind of five year roadmap of what I wanted to achieve at the mosque um i even i I have like a kind of 20 year plan as well but that's that's something slightly different um but then but then kind of on the flip side of that what i found is people were often saying to me they're like listen this isn't you know this isn't a corporation like chill out with all your professional stuff so kind of what i had to learn to do over the years is like come up with a an approach that was like balanced that worked for that organization but also incorporated the good elements and i think that was a good uh, good learning curve for you and I, probably the big four makes sense. And um, yeah. the fact that you worked at PwC and now at Deloitte. But yeah. but what is it that a regulatory consultant actually um, does? And can you talk a little bit more? So you're a chartered accountant, um, yeah. Marshall, that's amazing. Um, and w- what does it take to become a chartered accountant? And yeah maybe level set around the expectations in terms of the amount of effort and the lifestyle that's required in order for for someone to achieve um that feat yeah okay okay so um in terms of uh, the role like a regulatory consultant so i deal with a specific uh regulation that deals with um crime money 
So kind of all investment firms that hold any sort of client money after the 2008 financial crash. Well, I mean, it's always it's always been around. And this is something I said wrong in my interview. Right? I was like, yeah, it's been around for like five years. And the partner was like, actually, it's been around for 30. So it's always been around, but people have just focused on it a lot more since the financial crash. Basically, how much, um, you know, how well protected is the client money that you hold? So specifically, what, what I do is kind of we go in and we'll look at a company's um, controls around how they protect that, basically. And then we can, you know, either advise them on it or, you know, we'll make suggestions on how they can improve their controls and processes. Um, so that, so that's, that's quite interesting. I think I, I enjoyed this role a lot more than my previous role, which was audit. Like kind of, you know, um, for those looking into an accounting career, probably know, and kind of one of the things you say in your interview is, yeah, I want to go into audit because I want to get like a really good understanding of business end to end. And what I found was actually when you go into audit, you kind of more just speak to the finance function and don't see much else of the business. And I find in this role, I get to see a lot more of the business from end to end. Okay, how does it, a process start here and kind of finish in this different department? And what are the drivers for the revenue that they earn? Um, I also just just yeah. it's, it's quite interesting that, that from an Islamic perspective, actually, you know, the fact that a client or customer is trusting you as a bank or an intermediary with with their money, yeah, um, and what you're almost doing is you're going in and making sure that that bank or that intermediary is looking yeah. after the money in the right way for the customers and the client, yeah. So. Actually, that's quite an important and essential job in sort of building trust in our overall financial system. And as we all know that, you know, a lot of that trust has been eroded away since the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. So I can't see why someone would want to choose a career path that, that you have and, and the importance of it in, in sort of the grander scheme of things. Well, so, so actually to, to add to that, I, I would say kind of like accounting or like kind of audit and then this kind of this particular kind of consulting as 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 a whole kind of sits well with our our faith as well because obviously you know our faith orders us to you know be honest and you know do things with integrity uh, and do do things to the best of our ability as well right so and it's actually something you said to me a couple of years ago uh, that at the time I, I thought I was like nah this guy's this guy's off his rocker man but as I've kind of gone further in my career I've been like actually do you know what it's very true and I, and the thing you said was that you think the company's like slogan and motto and like mission statement has quite a big impact on kind of how you feel, um, you know, working at the company. So the company's values kind of determine how happy you would be working there. And I was like, you know, those values are just like airy fairy statements. But as, as I've gone on, I've, I've, I've realized actually, do you know, those have been intrinsically involved. In, you know, um, those have been intrinsically like, you know, instilled in me and it's something that I go ahead and do. So for example, uh, my previous company, the, the the kind of motto was, you know, do the right thing. So no matter if it's, you know, uh, difficult or requires a bit more work or it's something that your client doesn't want or even your, you know, seniors are like, actually, do you know what, like, let's just leave this to the side. You're like, well, actually, this is the right thing. This is an ethical thing to do and bring up this point, et cetera. And you go ahead and do that. And kind of as as I've gone on, that's something that I think has has stuck with me that I've I've tried to do. And obviously it sits well with our faith as well, you know, being ethical and just, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and that helps the driver. Like sometimes you're like, actually, do you know, what? I just want to cut this corner. I can't bother to do it, but I will actually, what would my faith, um, you know, require me to do my faith, you know, would require me to do the right thing as well. So, um, that's, that's definitely one aspect of it. 
Yeah, and I think that's that's so important finding that that right fit between your value systems and yeah. your morals, um, whether that's influenced by your cultural upbringing or your religious upbringing. Um, ultimately, you know, finding a career is like being in a long-term relationship. So, uh, you know, uh, you're spending a lot of time with the people that you're going to be working with. Um, you'll be representing the company in your interactions, your business dealings. And yeah. so it's very important that the way that the company operates and the value systems that they have in place um, also aligned with how you um, live your life. And I think that's super important. In some instances, it even pushes you to be a better person. I, I think it depends on kind of how how that com- you know how well those companies' values kind of filter through down to their employees. And also, I think a big difference is on the kind of people you work with as well. If you work with like you know a good team. Uh, like you said, in a long in a long term relationship, like you know, they say that kind of you know business is like a partnership. It it is kind of you're sitting with these people like you know 30, 40, 50 hours a week, and uh, you kind of have to get get on with them and um, you know be able to crack jokes with them and stuff. And in, in terms of the other question you asked about like um, becoming a chartered accountant, I think to get into the the big four companies, I think one of the requirements is you have like maths as a GCSE, right, or maybe an A level. I can't remember. But I think kind of having a, a decent grade, probably like above B at maths, is a requirement to get in. Uh, and it used to be kind of, you know, at the time that we joined, there used to be other kind of requirements that you have to like, you know, have this type of degree and you have to have done X at A level. Uh, but I think now they've relaxed it a lot more to kind of um, cast a wider net and bring in a, a more diverse bunch of individuals because they've realized that actually, do you know what? You don't need all of these things to make a good uh, accountant. But then once once you get there, obviously, um, you kind of will start doing your professional accounting exams. Uh, so like there's ACCA and ACA. Uh, most firms, I think, do ACA. And that is a set of 15 exams that you have to do um, across different areas like law, tax, accounting, business modeling, um, and like the last one, which was quite like strategic kind of business management. Um, so it kind of it covers quite a different range of topics. And I think that gives you a really, really good skill set and mindset to kind of look at problems in an analytical manner. Um, so you could do that over the course of like two years, but your contract is for three years. So you also have to get, I think it's 452 days of technical experience as well to be able to become qualified. Um, the exams are... I would probably, I, I'd say they're probably the toughest exams I, I've sat because uh, I kind of keep saying this to my brothers, right? That kind of whenever, wherever you are, uh, if you're at GCSE, people will tell you, oh, you know, forget A-levels, this will be the hardest thing you do. And then when you get to A-levels, people will be like, forget university, these are much harder. So kind of as you as you kind of uh, gradually progress, each thing gets harder. So I think I, I, I didn't find uh, GCSEs or A-levels that hard, but I think ACA was definitely um, a challenge, but a, but a welcome challenge. Uh, I think it stretched me and pushed me kind of, you know, to think in different ways, uh, which was really good. Um, we're talking about expectations for anyone wanting to go into or become a chartered accountant, especially at the big four. You've got busy season, which is typically uh, January to March. So in terms of expectations of working hours, I think if kind of we're talking about chartered accountants in a, in a big four, I think it's pretty safe to say, your January to March is going to be quite busy, and then the rest of your year is kind of fairly flexible. Um, there's kind of cycles of work, especially summer tends to be quite um, quite relaxed. But I think you know, uh, I, I don't want to scare people off, but uh, 
there's uh, I mean I, I think it would be good to to expect to work hard uh, during January to March maybe you know to like eight nine ten eleven maybe later um, and then on on top of that we were doing exams as well so we kind of go out, I'd get home at like nine nine ten o'clock and then revise for like two hours so it's challenging but I think um, I think I think it's a, a like a, like a good challenge like it makes you develop I guess. Um, I think it's also important just to bear in mind that that is almost uh, a job is a lifestyle choice. So for some people, having concentrated periods of working really hard and yeah. then a more relaxed rest of the year actually works quite well. I mean, if you think, uh, I know when we started off, we didn't really think about you know being married or potentially having kids and how that would impact on your lifestyle, but. Um, it might make more sense to follow a more academic um, year in terms of work effort. So if you are busy, let's say uh, your Januarys to March are quite busy, but during the summer you're getting some downtime, that means you can take the kids for holiday or uh, if you're having um, slower periods in December, likewise you can use that for Christmas holidays, although we don't celebrate Christmas. I'm sure you can, you know, people like taking holidays, going abroad, visiting families. Um so, yeah, for me, it's very much a lifestyle choice. I think I didn't appreciate that when I started, uh, again, at, uh, at a big four company. But I can see why people choose being an accountant or working in audit for that reason, simply yeah. because it gives them that flexibility. Yeah, and I, I would say to add to the flexibility point, and I, and I, and I think more so kind of post-COVID-19, right? people like so big four firms have always been relatively flexible about you know or you you can take holiday here or there you can work from home um you know work from somewhere else like it doesn't necessarily have to be home but you can kind of re- remotely work um so a lot of people i remember speaking to people who who were parents and they were like you know i i enjoy the flexibility of being able to come in at like 11 because i gotta drop my kids off or you know, 10 or whatever it was um so i think it is kind of in in ways it's more flexible than other careers and I think what COVID-19 has shown is that actually a lot of businesses can work flexibly. So I, I think if anything, kind of those going into careers in the next few years, it will be a lot more kind of, you know, flexible and agile. So it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Rahmat, so we've come to near the end of our interview, but I just had a few quick fire round questions for you. Yeah. Uh, but before before we get into that, I just... Um, wanted to get your perspective uh, for the viewers on this podcast series what's what's coming up um uh, what's going what excites you about it and and just generally the types of format and the types of guests that we are going to look to have on on this podcast yeah so uh, i i think from my perspective i think it's going to be um, really interesting, especially for um, kind of those viewers who are looking to make those kind of career choices. And and don't get me wrong, it's not it's not necessarily like a careers blog, but I, I think kind of one thing that I definitely lacked um, at that age was kind of looking for role models uh, with my own values to kind of you know figure out okay how did they approach this situation. So I think it's definitely definitely. Um, going to be useful for those individuals and 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 to be honest it's it's, it's an ongoing journey so so it'll be in, it'll be interesting for anyone to see like we're all kind of we'll, we all face new challenges and you know um we'll approach them in 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 different ways um 
And in terms of the guests we've got, I'm really excited. So we've got like a wide range of guests as well. Um, you know, those who are like doctors, those who are in business, those who've kind of started like, you know, uh, global businesses. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to kind of learn about their journeys as well and how they've how they've approached things. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Great. And so in this fast fire round, um, I'll just basically say a word. And I, I guess um, if you could just respond with the first word that comes to your mind. I'm, I'm a little worried about this one. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like that, that, that kind of uh, episode of Friends, like, you know, when you want to think of something really quick and get the right decision, and then someone asks you those questions and you say something wrong at the end. or you get, Yeah, but it, it'll be interesting. Let's go for it. Okay. So first word, Muslim. Muslim. Um, I just, honestly, the first thing that came to my mind was honest. Life. Life. Um, interesting. Ups and downs. Roller coaster. Does it have to be one word, or can I just spit a load of Just stuff? one one word, but I'm happy with you explaining it. Yeah. Uh, career. Career. Uh, hard work. Podcast. Uh, insightful. Family, everything. Future, uh, exciting. Past, mm, a lesson. Young, mm, good time. <laughs> a good time to do stuff <laughs> when you have the time. When you have the time. Thanks, Abdurrahman. I mean, that's the end of our sort of uh, first podcast. So. Yeah. We probably should have mentioned the format of these podcasts going forward. We'll be um, alternating between myself and Abdurrahman as um, hosts of this podcast. And we hope to just keep it fresh that way. So we'll be inviting our own guests on. But that doesn't limit us to just doing um, single interviews. We will make sure that we shake things up and uh, co-host podcasts as well, especially when we have some of our more important Oh, well, all our guests are important, but maybe more some of our more prominent or famous guests. Uh, otherwise, we'll catch you soon, and we'll we'll see you on the next podcast. It was a it was a pleasure. Look forward to look forward to the next one. Thanks. Thanks, and assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum